I'm Jennifer. Hi, I'm Sean. We are here today with Dr. Chris Bottrell, Director International and Past Dean of Tourism at Capilano University and Chairman of the Pacific Asia Travel Association. Hey Chris, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you very much. Thank you so much for being here today. We are very excited to meet you. It's a pleasure. Good, good. Okay, so our first question today, can you tell us how you came to be chairman of Pacific Asia Travel Association, aka PATA? It's been quite a journey from New Zealand to Vancouver and Dean at Kaflano to chairman of PATA. So we're really looking forward to like, learning like, how you went through all that. Uh, you want to know where it came from in New Zealand? Love to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, well, it is interesting because sometimes I do think about that myself. I, I grew up in a rural area in New Zealand on farms in the uh, place called Tiakau in Fitikahu. And then next thing you know, I find myself uh, being involved with uh, all these people from all over the world. So it's pretty gratifying. And I'm uh, quite humbled by the, the opportunity I've been given to do that, to be honest. Um, but you asked... Uh, you know, how I got there. And, and I yeah. guess uh, one of the things that I saw many years ago uh, is something I, I just really liked in Pata. Um, I saw this community, this legacy of this organization. And, um, and, I, and I saw a global reach with this organization. And I really appreciated the opportunity to be a part of that. Uh, it actually stems back to my first experience was here in Vancouver where a, a conference came and I was really new to the industry here in Vancouver. I didn't really know anyone and uh, the conference, for, the part of conference came here and so I volunteered and that gave me an opening to actually the tourism industry here in, in Vancouver in British Columbia. And with that, a range of different contacts, and, and then I, that led on to me being more and more involved with the tourism industry here. So it was a great entree to tourism right here in our own doorstep, uh, not in necessarily over in, uh, in, in Asia and in China, Thailand. Those areas were more familiar now with the operation yeah. of PADA, but it was actually here in, in North Vancouver. So uh, that was my beginning. And... Um, and then I, I, we had this project here at, uh, at Capilano University that had been developed by uh, predecessors of mine in the tourism program, uh, people like Jeff Bird and others. And this was a community tourism project in Sapa in Vietnam. And uh, we had finished that all the funding for that project and we wanted to continue it. So I got connected with a gentleman named Terry Francis and Terry Francis is a, a really great gentleman, deeply involved in Pata and he was the chair of the Pata Foundation at the time. Okay. So he connected us to uh, the Pata Foundation and that was my beginning and that actually was only about 10 years ago and then from there it's been quite a journey through the organization. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> As a chairman, you have an educator background. Uh, so being chairman of an industry association like PADA, do you find that your background as an educator uh, helps you or is it a challenge? Well, first of all, it again, not only is it a privilege to be involved in PADA and be involved with so many different organizations around the world, but it's also, I frankly, essential for educators to be involved with uh, industry and governments uh, from a range of different contexts to be able to be relevant in our field, to be up to date and to, uh, to be able to contribute and do our job of 
helping prepare future generations uh, in the industry that, that we serve. In this particular case, I think that being an educator has, I, I believe, I hope, <laughs> benefited the organization and myself, and for a couple of really important reasons. One is that I am connected to future generations in the industry, and so I, I can't uh, say I, I, I know everything that, they, that future generations think. I don't, but yeah. what I can do is I, I, I am aware of the issues that are important to future generations, and, and that's, I think, really important on how we frame and shape Parter in the future so that it is relevant for future generations. Yep. Um, uh, so that's one element, is that connection. And the other element is, well, in education, you have to have broad perspectives and you have to understand all components of the industry and you have to be up to date on so many different aspects and, and elements of the industry. You actually are not much of an edu educator if, you, if you're not in that domain. Yes. Yeah. So that's uh, something that I hopefully I can bring and share with, uh, with, the, with the industry. You know, oftentimes people are working in their own sectors and, and naturally they're quite focused in their sector, but from an educator standpoint, you have to have an understanding of all the different components of the sector and others to be uh, effective in your role. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's especially interesting because uh, there's the labor shortage in tourism. So having that connection to students uh, all around the world is a good opportunity for the leadership pipeline. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, uh, labor is uh, one of the most uh, challenging, compelling and important and elements of our industry in the future. And we know in Asia in particular, that the needs from a human capital development standpoint are considerable and and there are uh, not only a need for strengthening the uh, human uh, capital uh, workforce, but there's also needs to help with mobility and ret retention and uh, achieving high standards of excellence, also providing everybody that wants to participate in this industry the opportunity to participate in the industry and one of those best ways to uh, to participate and to excel is through education so that is one of the uh, it's a very important point you raise yeah great so for our listeners out there right now just what is the like underlying purpose of PADA can you give us a bit of background on its reach and significance on like a worldwide scale yeah sure the 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 purpose of PADA for the longest time has been about building business. Okay. And that is at its essence the most important thing that we do. People are part of PADA to build their businesses, to become uh, stronger destinations. That is really a, such a critical component. But aligned with that, we also must be responsible and sustainable in the type of businesses that we we generate and in uh, strengthening those businesses and the industry through things like a uh, strong uh, uh, human capital uh, development workforce you know i could go through all the different services and products and so on that parta offers um, and uh, uh, but at the core it is about strengthening the tourism industry to within and from the Asia Pacific, and doing so in a responsible and sustainable way. Yeah. So ultimately, then, what potential do you think Pata has 
for the industry, but also for the world if you were able to fully engage and involve the members of PADA? Well, that's such a good question. <laughs> um, you know, the reason I got involved with PADA is, again, because it has that potential for global reach and to be able to make a difference, a positive difference. There are many ways in which we can do that. We can do that through uh, advocating for support for tourism as an industry in the different areas that we we serve. And that is highly valuable because those of us that are involved in tourism understand the benefits of tourism, which are that it provides opportunity to all individuals. It enriches our mutual understanding of each other. It contributes to global peace and prosperity. So those are sort of the overriding uh, elements that make tourism such an important industry. So PADA can play a role, an important role, in continuing to advocate for those benefits of the industry. It, uh, it also um, it connects people in a very important way, and some in a way that many other sectors, uh, associations, and so on do not, because most a lot of other associations represent either entities or certain categories of of business or certain levels of destinations or those sorts of things. But PADA is very cross-sectional. And so the important thing is that we have members of government, members of industry, members of education, and at all levels, all participating together. And um, that's what it takes to find solutions to a lot of the challenges that we face in the industry and on the planet today, that it takes that broad cross-section of understanding from a range of different cultural backgrounds and that we uh, work together to find the solutions. And that's what PADA does. Great. Yeah, as students, we were kind of getting all this information through PADA on a daily basis right now. And it's a very big benefit from, for us as, as young tourism professionals, kind of like the numbers they're putting out there. And we're seeing the huge growth of Asian outbound travel to North America in particular. Um, Vancouver has huge connections to Asia, direct flights every day. How can young tourism professionals like ourselves maximize the opportunities that could come our way, especially through PADA as well? Well, one of the reasons that I was so keen for our university to be involved with PADA was because of the fact that the largest growth region on the planet is the Asia-Pacific. It is unparalleled, yeah. Yeah. and it will be for a long, long time to come by any estimation. Um, the growth, uh, the population growth in the region, the emergence of economies in the region, the development of infrastructure in the region is is beyond anywhere else on the planet so uh there are there are a great many opportunities for uh us in north america to connect with asia pacific and learn from asia pacific yeah. and learn together yeah and that was the driving motivation as a university as an educational institution to be connected with uh with that uh, that level of, of development in this particular area. It creates opportunities for graduates of our program, students in our program, graduates in our program, or, or, or anyone in, uh, in North America or Europe or any other part of the planet, mm -hmm. simply because you create those connections yeah. um, and you begin a network. And you don't always know where that network's going to go and how it's going to flourish, but, but if you make it, 
then it, it oftentimes will. Yeah. And just an, an example, um, as you know, and as you're part of the student chapter at Capilano, uh, I, I know that you've created connections and networks, but what we don't often see is how important that is to other people. Yeah. Um, I was very fortunate to go to Paul last year to Kathmandu to the Himalayan Travel Mart and I was invited by the Nepalese Pata chapter. And when I arrived, I was greeted by a young gentleman and he knew all about me. And how did he know all about me? Because you guys had told him. <laughs> oh, is this, I think I know who this might have been, actually. Yeah, I can't recall his name, to be honest. Because Benoit. Benoit? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, and he, uh, he met me at the airport, and, I, and, he, and he started telling me all the things I'd been doing. I said, well, how do you know this? And uh, he said, well, uh, Jennifer and Sean had already told me. So anyway, Sorry about that. <laughs> that was fantastic. Um, so anyway, that was... Uh, that was, that was um, that was that, and it was that connection. Mm. Can I just add one more thing? And I just want to say it's about this Nepal experience too. I was there. Uh, I hadn't been back to Nepal for a long, long time. Uh, I was first there a number of times back in 1988 when I was backpacking. And when I was backpacking, I went to uh, – I was in the Tamil area, and I looked at the um, Himalayan guest house, and I thought – Oh, that's such a neat place because I wasn't staying in anything quite of the standard yeah. of the Himalayan guest yeah. house, and um, and I and I I went in to to have a look around, but you know I wasn't really. Uh, it was pretty clear that I wasn't going to stay there. I looked like a backpacker and probably smelt like one too, <laughs> and um, and so they I, I wasn't allowed to go in. Well, this time when I went back, I was. Uh, greeted by the owner of the Milan Guest House <laughs> and uh, treated to lunch and uh, and and great uh, great hospitality. So there, my part of journey ended me up uh, ended Full up circle. there. It was uh, it was a good yeah. thing. Yeah. That's great. And it's interesting that you should mention that because that's it's through PADA that we were able to meet these people from Nepal yeah. and from Asia and from all over the world. Yeah, and we still have that connection to this day. Student chapters, we, we talk to each other on a kind of a daily basis, we share information. And that you mentioned together during the answer just then. And that's definitely a good word is together. And it opened up their eyes when we met them that, wow, like PADA, is, it's, it's not just that area. It's going across the Pacific now. And that got them really excited when we met them. Mm -hmm. Last year, yeah. yeah. Okay, and if I could just add, the same thing happened when I was at Macau yeah. recently at the uh, Institute for Tourism Studies at Macau, and students mm -hmm. there came up and talked to me, and they know you guys as well. And <laughs> of course, uh, you well. you were there and had that experience. So uh, it, that network exists, and that's yeah. the point yeah, of this: uh, is yeah. that that you it's what you make of it. But um, but that's something that Pada has facilitated, and yes, yes. that's incredibly powerful in this sector. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So if we could switch gears just a little bit, I know you're a Kiwi, but you've had countless travels through being in PADA, through being the chairman of PADA, and through that you must have experienced a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different lifestyles and cultures. And in your experience, is there anything that here in the developed world that we could learn from the developing world or vice versa? You're right. It's been quite a privilege mm -hmm. to have that opportunity to be with lots of different uh, communities around the globe. The one that, of course, we're most familiar with is the is the villages uh, near Sapa in Vietnam, mm -hmm. and through the uh, community-based tourism project, the Pata, mm -hmm. 
Foundation has supported very generously over the years, and I say that because it's important that their their contribution to this is is recognised. Um, we started out with a project which was all about trying to help uh, communities transition to tourism that had not previously had any involvement in tourism, and it was an, a way of us enabling the people of those communities to have a say in their own future direction, and it's worked incredibly well. So what did I take away from that and other similar experiences is just simply that there is still, there is this thing about community and there's this thing about connection and family and reliability upon each other. Mm -hmm. And those are things that we sometimes lose sight of, especially in a um, uh, a Western uh, developed context where our developed world context, I suppose, if you want to call it that, um, we become more independent and individualized. We can comfortably survive and do so on our own, but in those communities there remains a connection and a, something of a dependence upon each other for their well-being. And, and those, are, those are values which we sometimes lose sight of uh, and something which is really a great takeaway for me. It helps you put things that are important in life in perspective and so I think for anybody that has that experience of traveling to different parts of the world and seeing how different people live there is a very common element and that is that people need to work together and need to live need to rely on each other and that helps with all elements of their well-being and prosperity. Okay so you you're talking right now about community-based tourism and I got a quick question. Just is there a possibility that Western involvement in community-based tourism projects can be seen as playing a white savior role or meddling in another community's affairs? Uh, I think uh, there is always a uh, an important approach in any of these any of these types of efforts and, and engagement and so on, and that is simply to be mindful of the fact that we learn together and yeah. that. It, anything that that we share is simply about a certain way of doing and looking but it's not necessarily the right way of looking or doing and uh, the takeaway for us from all of these experiences is that we have learned uh, just as much as we have been able to share and uh, it is very dangerous for uh, organizations to go in and think they can fix a problem that doesn't work like that it only works when you go into a situation and you have the privilege of going into a situation you recognize that you are privileged to be invited and and allowed to participate in that in that situation and that you go in there to hopefully build trust build a connection that is mutually beneficial and that is all about learning learning and growing together um, in the many community-based tourism uh, and community-based projects fail miserably because yeah. the uh, the entities that come in uh, do so on a fixed term with a fixed amount of budget and they do what they do and they leave yeah. and everything <laughs> falls yeah. apart afterwards and so that only leads to a sense of distrust um, and a, um, a takeaway for both sides of, of hollowness and no benefit whatsoever. We knew, we knew that 
long time ago with the CBT project we did in Vietnam. And in fact, we had a report and a, an audit done of that project early on. And one of the statements of the person that did that audit, uh, worked with Pater at the time, was um, was just that, that most of the, many of these projects do not succeed mm -hmm. because of these reasons. And the only way that we would they would support that project is if we went in there with the absolute intent of making ourselves redundant and being uh, leading to a sustainable uh, tourism, uh, community tourism outcome. Yes. So we have done all that we can to do that, but we've done it on this principle of nobody's better, nobody can be better, mm -hmm. it's not like that. It's all about what can we, how can we grow together. It's mm -hmm. great to hear you. Yeah. yeah, so it's all about creating something self-sustaining and being able to just leave at the end and it carries forward on its own. Yeah, that, that notion of becoming redundant is really important. It's hard to do because you, you don't want to, truthfully. You, yeah. you, you really learn to have a great, great relationship. You want to stay and be involved, but it's not the right thing to do. Mm. But added to that, that still kind of perpetuates that notion that we had something to share that was better. It's not like that. We actually, we changed too as a result of doing this. Mm -hmm. And I know we have. I know the community has. But it's important to be mindful in any kind of community-based um, project that it is not your community. You are simply provided the privilege of being there for a period of time to share and grow together. Yeah, I know Capilano students were um, participants in that project. And I know for them, it was absolutely a, a life-changing perspective and experience. So yeah. See how it goes two ways. Yeah, we, uh, every, I, I can't think of any individual that was involved in that project that wasn't a better person for having been involved mm -hmm. in it. Absolutely. So again, switching back to uh, talking about the organization itself. So a characteristic of trade associations is that they need to provide benefits to the members they serve. So PADA has members from all over the world, but most of its activities are obviously in Asia, being that it is PADA. So how can this network prove itself beneficial to members that are located outside this territory, for example, us here in Canada? Yeah, that, you know, it's a really good question. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, the growth area on the planet is Asia Pacific. And to be connected to that area and understand what is happening in that area from a product development standpoint, from a training standpoint, from an infrastructure standpoint, is highly beneficial whether you participate in it or not. So, for example, the uh, the disruptive elements that are, we call them disruption, but in a lot of ways they're innovative elements mm -hmm. which are taking place in the tourism industry, such as uh, artificial intelligence, uh, robotics, online uh, services training and things like that. Um, a lot of that is really stemming from, uh, from Asia and from the the push uh, for advancement in that area. And so to be connected to that and understand what's happening mm -hmm. is incredibly important on its own. Mm -hmm. So that's one benefit. Uh, the opportunity, should you have the mobility to participate in, in that part of the world, is also profound. There is a relatively thin layer of highly qualified, highly trained individuals based on the scope of the of the industry. And that's something that Pada and our associates, all our universities are really conscious of and we would we'd like to 
contribute to, I believe, where where we strengthen and deepen the skill base in the uh, tourism industry from a human capital standpoint. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, it does create opportunity for those that are um, from this part of the world, if they should wish to participate, you can learn so much more about the industry and the dynamics of the industry simply based on the pace and the volume which is taking place and the technology development which is happening in Asia Pacific. So that alone is something which is highly beneficial. Add to that the cross-cultural elements which exist in in the Asia context of so many different uh, cultures and languages and ways of doing and ways of knowing and ways of being that... um, that exist and are so rich and vibrant from that area, that's something also that can be gained from participating in that part of the world. So those to me are essential benefits. Add to that simply the network for future. Well, don't forget, part of fundamental goal is about business development. Ultimately, we are all involved in different types of business development. And uh, to have those connections it is what you make of them, but they can be highly beneficial. Yeah, Part of generates millions and millions of dollars worth of, uh, of business every year through its events, trade shows, and that's for members. It generates that kind of revenue and, and business for members. That's, how the, that's what the industry operates on. It has a lot of other values, but we must be mindful of the fact that tourism is about, is about business. And so to be successful and be effective and to make those other changes that we've talked about happen you have to have good business too excellent thank you so much i think the word i have from today's podcast is kind of together the word i I kind of get from this is the conversations we're having and i'd like to wrap it up with that but before i'm going to let you go chris i have one very important question okay you look nervous (laughs) if you were to wake up tomorrow and you found out you were australian oh no (laughs) (laughs) And you had 24 hours, what would you do with your one day? <laughs> well, a flight to New Zealand only takes three and a half hours. So. I'm not being to be ch- I've got very many uh, good Australian friends. So, uh, But as we all know, I'm a Kiwi and there is a certain rivalry. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure if it's both ways, but uh, maybe it's because we keep not losing. Maybe we're not as good at sports as, as they are. But... Um, uh, but uh, I would, uh, yes, I, I, what would I, what would I do? Do I actually have to answer that question? I tell you what I do. I would, I would enjoy a day in Australia. And, watch some uh, cricket. Yeah. I'd, well, I'd watch, I'd, I'd watch some cricket. I'd, uh, I'd eat, a, eat a pie. I would uh, go to the beach. I'd go to the Bondi beach and see all my New Zealand friends. And, um, then I would probably catch a plane back to Auckland. <laughs> that's good, that's good. <laughs> okay, good answer, Chris. And um, what we'll do, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for being here today with us. We've had such fun talking about PADA and kind of the future of tourism. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. thank you. And I really appreciate the opportunity. And uh, I would also just like to mention that... that uh, I'm very proud of the student chapter here at, uh, at Capilano University. You guys uh, actually did win the uh, the best student chapter of the year last year, and we were really thrilled to be there in Langkawi and mm-hmm. and uh, and have that recognised. And I 
I do believe that you embody everything that this association is all about. It's uh, you uh, being you're proactive, you're community minded, you're uh, you're about creating connections, and and I know many people around the world really appreciate you for that. And it's been a privilege for me to encounter them on my travels and say, hey, how are those guys doing back in Vancouver? I wish we could all get together more often. Yeah, yeah. we do too. We do we too. Do we too. Do. Thank you so much, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Bye. So how did you like that? Please send us your feedback on this episode by visiting patacapu.com. This podcast is hosted by Capilano University student volunteers. If you would like to get involved with the production of our podcast, please send us an email through our website, patacapu.com. Special thanks to Capilano Radio Club and the School of Tourism Management. See you next time. Hi, I'm Kayla Ramiro. And I'm Angus Tang. You can check out our podcast, Always Wrong, streaming 24-7 on capilanoradio.com, on iTunes, and on Google Play.